we're gonna hit a lot of obstacles in our life. Life is not easy. And I always say they're kind of like moments of impact. We have a choice in those moments to give up. That's a choice. Or to say, okay, I'm going to dust my knees off. I'm gonna stand back up. I'm gonna remember who I am. I'm gonna find that fire it is in me. I'm gonna find that fire to fight and to fight hard. And sometimes it's those struggles, it's those things in our life that force us to have to be even tougher, stronger, right? To do the next most amazing thing that is waiting for you, but you have to be brave enough to get up and go for it. Because it's not just gonna come to you. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it. From the good stuff like hiring and growing a team. To the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the Skim from a Couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? We are so excited to have Kendra Scott joining us for Skim You Commencement, which is also a live taping for our podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. Kendra is the executive chairwoman, lead designer, and founder of the jewelry brand that bears her name, Kendra Scott. Kendra built the company out of a spare bedroom in her house with a $500 investment, and now it's a billion-dollar business. We should note, she's also a philanthropist, a professor at UT Austin, and you may have seen her recently as a guest shark on Shark Tank. Kendra, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here and love everything that you all have done this year uh, at Skim U. So, so thrilled to be a part of it. Thank you, Kendra. So, you know, you've become a very public person over these last, you know, decade or so. What is something that we cannot Google about you? I don't feel like a public person, which is so weird. I don't know why, but I don't. Okay, well, thank you for telling me that. This is kind of news to me. I live in like my little Austin, Texas bubble. But I think, you know, look, like a lot of people, I think, don't know, right? They see you're this glamorous designer, blah, blah, blah. I'm a mom first. I started this company with a newborn baby. I wanted to create a business that allowed me to do what I loved, which was fashion and design. I wanted to give back to my community after I lost my stepfather to cancer, but I really wanted to also be a mom and be a present mom and create a company that hopefully someday would also allow other amazing moms to have a great career, but could be a mom. So I'm a mom to three sons. And a lot of people don't realize that because of that, I've become kind of a tomboy. I can throw a mean spiral football. I can put a Lego together in record time. I can't even tell you. It's one of those things where I just, you know, I'm a mom first. And to boys, it's always chaos in my house, but I kind of love it. I thrive off of it. What were you like as a kid? I lived in a very small town in Wisconsin is where I was born. My mother's family were farmers and coal miners. So my uncles would farm during the day and then they would mine in, in the coal mines at night. And so I kind of had this upbringing of really understanding what hard work looked like. And they were the hardest working of all. And I grew up in a place where you don't grow up to become a designer. I, I remember thinking that this is something that I dreamt of doing when I was a little kid because I had an aunt who was a fashion director but I was this dorky kid. I was legally blind in my right eye. So I wore huge, thick glasses, like 
unbelievably thick glasses. I was like real skinny, but my head was kind of too big for my body. I had a perm, a spiral perm. Stop. I look like a Q-tip, okay? I mean, that was my hairstyle. It was a Q-tip hairstyle. So I wasn't the most popular. I was kind of a nerd, but I had a personality. I had all these different friends, right? And, you know, I realized that my personality and me being able to also just see the best in all of these different people was really something that was like special for me. I got bullied in junior high school pretty badly. I would have to eat my lunch in the bathroom. And because I was afraid to go to the lunchroom because nobody would sit by me. And I mean, that was seventh grade. And it was really, I think, going to school each day and overcoming that. And I remember my dad would bring me in the morning and he would always tell me, Kendra, kill him with kindness. And he said, you know, you are a beautiful person and no matter what, you smile, you raise your head, you put your shoulders back and you know who you are. And those words of wisdom got me through those really hard days in middle school and they really became a fuel for my life of, you know, tell me I can't do something. And so I ended up running for student council president in the midst of being bullied, which was a really risky, crazy thing to do. And I won wow. because there were more people like me that could relate to me than the kids that were like the popular ones or the ones that everybody you know thought they should hang out with. And I remember that moment of thinking about there's really, no matter how hard something is, no matter how scared you are, you stay true to who you are. And I think like those moments of, of middle school and how hard that was, was actually one of the greatest gifts I was ever given. And I think about that 13 year old girl all the time. And I, I wanna like sometimes go back and talk to her and, and tell her that, you know, contact lenses is gonna be a thing and LASIK will happen. But all of those things kind of shaped me to be the person that I am today. And I'm so thankful that I had those experiences in the weirdest ways. Like I kind of thank my bullies. I know that sounds crazy, but I kind of do because, you know, it gave me resilience. So let's talk about another time when you needed resilience. Kendra Scott wasn't actually the first company you launched. When you were around 19 years old, you made some big decisions, including dropping out of college and taking the leap to start a business. Take us back to that time. What was your confidence level like then? You know, it wasn't about having confidence. My world turned upside down. When I was about 16 years old, I found out that my stepfather uh, had brain cancer. And um, he, it was, it was such a huge part of my life. And so strong, right? He was a Vietnam vet. He served two tours in Vietnam. He spoke five languages fluently. He was so, you know, magnetic personality and handsome and all of these things, right? And for him to get this unbelievably aggressive form of brain cancer, my whole world changed. And so at 16, the things that a lot of my friends were doing, I was really focused on trying to be there for my mom, be there for him and spend as much time as I could with him. And the world kind of changed for me, like very quickly of that, I have a short time on this earth. Uh, and he taught me that, that we have a short time on this earth. You never know how long it's gonna be. And you need to make an impact with the gifts that you've been given. And I love fashion and design since I was a little girl. I actually loved wearing hats. And so when I would go visit him at MD Anderson in Houston, I met a lot of women that were also undergoing chemotherapy and losing their hair, which for women, it's such a big identifier, right? We were, I mean, it's part of like us as women, it's our Fem being feminine, right, is having our hair. And it's really devastating for a lot of these women. So I actually brought some of my hats 
that I had and I realized that they were itchy because uh, they were wool. And so I would sew cotton linings inside the hats. And so I realized like it was more of not necessarily confidence, but I felt like I could do something. I couldn't save my stepfather from this aggressive, horrible disease but I could do something that could maybe help, help him, help other people that were going through this. I think, you know, when you're 19, you're kind of, you have that idealist brain, right? Of wanting to save the world or, you know, make an impact. And it really wasn't about making money. It was about trying to do something good. And that really came from my stepfather, but realizing that you can't just do something good if you're not making money. <laughs> Sometimes you need to be able to do, right? And so the idealist in me struggled for five years running a hat business. And so after five years of trying to run this business, and then losing my stepfather to brain cancer, I had to close it. I had to have that really hard conversation of this isn't working. And that idea of not only now have I failed at this business, I've lost the man that I did this for, who was so proud of me when I started this. Um, I kind of felt like I had let down everybody. I had dropped out of college. I had spent now five years of my life. So going back to college now seemed crazy. I had to just go and find a job without a college degree and a failed business under my belt. It really was like, where you start to like really question your ability to be able to do something. And I remember thinking back again to, okay, there's a reason that I'm having to go through this. And I've got to figure out what that is, but someday it's going to make itself apparent. And after I closed the store, I had made jewelry for my little hat store and customers would buy the jewelry the day it was put in the case. And after I closed the store, customers were calling me not because they wanted hats, because they wanted the jewelry. They were like, I want to match a pair of earrings or could you make a necklace for my sister? So I was finding myself buying and getting jewelry supplies and stones and realizing, hey, Maybe the answer to my future was actually right in front of me, but I was so consumed with what I thought it had to look like that I wasn't paying attention to the thing that was actually working. There's a lot in there. And, you know, we've been talking for about 12 minutes. And in that 12 minutes, you have given multiple examples where you have guts. You're a middle, an awkward middle schooler by your own admission who unpopular ran for class president. You at 19 have a horrible family tragedy and like have the guts to start a business, leave college. And it takes a tremendous amount of guts to say, hey, like this isn't working and to actually close that down. You know, it's obviously this is a, a story with a happy ending because you're here today and look at what you've done and it's extraordinary. But in those moments, I mean, we're talking about like such pivotal moments that have such insecurity, pain attached to them. Where did you find guts? How did you find that confidence? You know, I think, first of all, you have to have, sometimes you have to be real, right? So I was working at a, another company. I was working at a job because I had to, you know, pay for things and, you know, live life, right? And living on ramen for the rest of my life was not something I was super excited about. So, you know, I wanted to diversify my diet also. So I was, you know, really wanting to do something else. And I think that entrepreneur in me, there was always this fire, and I don't know always where that fire came from. I sometimes say to my father, he believed in me. And I think, you know, it's so important for young people to have someone, whether it's a teacher or a parent or someone believe in them. 
and his true belief, like I would look in his eyes and he would say, honey, you can be and do anything in this world. I believe in you. And he saw that in me. He saw, and he would tell me, you've got this in you. You've got this star quality in you. We all have that inside of us, but sometimes we're so afraid to tap into it or people are afraid to even recognize it in you because it can be scary, right? But I think for me, that fire was there. It was like, I wanted to do something. And I think losing my stepfather at that age in my life and that stage of my life gave me this intensity that I had limited time. I just remember thinking like, I just don't have that much time and I really want to do something. I didn't even know really what it was, but I wanted to do something. And, and I wanted to do something that I would wake up every day and be happy and I loved, but I also wanted to do something that I could know could help someone else. And I think that's where I started feeling the most joy, even with the hat box, was when I could see a woman that I could bring a hat to and see what would happen when she'd put it on and the confidence she would feel and that ability for her to then say, I wanna now see my friends that I haven't seen. I feel better about myself. I feel pretty again. When I would see those moments, I knew like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to continue to try to, to do. So I think guts is one thing, but I also think it's that knowing that we're gonna hit a lot of obstacles in our life. Life is not easy. There are a lot, of, and this year for all of us, we know that this pandemic has been so hard and it's, it's so hard on, on everyone, right? But I think we have to think about these moments when we're going through these. And I always say they're kind of like moments of impact. We have a choice in those moments to give up. That's a choice. Or to say, okay, I'm going to dust my knees off. I'm gonna stand back up. I'm gonna remember who I am. I'm gonna find that fire it is in me. I'm gonna find that fire to fight and to fight hard. And sometimes it's those struggles, it's those things in our life that force us to have to be even tougher, stronger, right? To do the next most amazing thing that is waiting for you, but you have to be brave enough to get up and go for it. Because it's not just gonna come to you. Speaking of being brave and going for it, I have to think back to when you first started asking buyers to take a chance on you and your products. It seems when hearing you speak that the idea of cold pitching someone would be like second nature. I think for a lot of people, it's really scary and it's hard. Do you have some advice on how to pitch yourself? It might be a product. It might be an interview in some way. You're always pitching yourself for different things. How do you do it? I love that question because I think, you know, I didn't realize it was pitching. I think one of the things I've always tried to do is be honest and authentic and real and also vulnerable. And I know that seems scary when you're thinking I'm trying to pitch myself and I'm trying to be strong and like most amazing and perfect, but people relate to you because of you and your story and no one has your story. You know, your life, every moment of your life, all the things that you have gone through, all the highs, the lows, the peaks, the valleys, that's what makes you, you. And that's what you're selling is you. So you don't have to make up some elaborate dream, you know, scenario. Be you, share the things in your life that are real. And I think in a job interview, you know, I interview so many people, right? And I love it when people can be honest 
and they can share with me and talk to me and be authentic, not perfect and polished. It's sometimes when the people are like, you know, this happened in my life that was really hard. And this is how, you know, I overcame that. And I feel like I'm a better person today because I went through that. And those are the type of people for me, at least, that I'm like, ooh, okay, now we're talking because I have a real human that I'm connecting with, right? When it comes to your products, it's the same thing. You know, I would walk in and nine times out of 10, yes, you have to have beautiful product. But I also was like, I'm committed to making sure this is gonna work for you. And I'm giving you my word. And my word means everything to me. And I will come in your store and I will merchandise it and I will do trunk shows and I will do all the things. And if something's not selling, I'm gonna replace it. And I kept my word. And if I didn't keep my word, I wouldn't have gotten the reorder, right? So it's like, do what you say you're going to do, show up. And yeah, you have to sometimes put in that extra effort to show someone that you really you know, are gonna be there. And let me tell you, I got a lot of no's. A lot of doors slammed in my face. A lot of people that were like, uh-uh, honey, we've got it, this brand. And every time I'd get a no, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna turn that no, no in a mirror is on. I wanna turn it on. Wait, stop. No in a mirror is on? Where did you hear that? I love that. Did you make that up? That's a Kendraism. That's a Kendraism. Can you make that on a t-shirt? No in a mirror is on. Okay, I love that. I say that now I have teenage sons. So when no, in some cases, no means no. Okay. No. But in business and in a career, you're going to get no's, right? So then I think to myself, well, now we're talking. At least we're communicating. So I'm going to send you another line sheet and maybe this line sheet's going to come with some cookies or a cupcake or a small bouquet of flowers. And I'm like, you said no today, but I'm going to keep talking to you. I'm not going to let you scare me. Just like my dad said, you continue to say, okay, I hear you, but you know what? I'm not giving up on you because I know I belong here. I know my product belongs here and you might not see it today. That's okay. And you do it though, in a way where eventually they're going to see you. They're going to see your personality. They're going to see that drive and that passion. And that's what makes an entrepreneur. That's what makes you wanting your dream career. You got to have passion. It's scary when someone says no to you, right? But I think you can use it as fuel and say, how am I going to turn this on or learn from that and say to them, what was it about my interview today? What was it that I could have done differently? I want to learn. I'd love feedback from you. How many times do people have that asked to them, you know, and they they may not respond back, but they may say, you know, these are one thing I was, you know, concerned about. You can learn from it and then take that and use that for the next thing that you're going to do. Before you made money, what was your relationship with money? Oh my God. I was so broke for so long. I had a float, okay? Both in my business, if anyone runs a business, you know what a float is, especially in these early days, where it was $10,000 in my business. So I could write checks up to $10,000 and I knew that there were gonna be enough coming in that that float would hopefully nothing would bounce within that range. I couldn't go over that range. In my personal life, I was a single mom in the early days of my business 
And there was a time I was living on $200 a week. My sister moved in with me to help me pay my rent. Money was, it was always scary. I, I had everything I owned up for collateral on loans. I built this business on lines of credit and credit card debt. No one would invest in my company. I would try to go pitch to different people and they would be like, almost laughed me out of the room. Like you're, you know, a, like what? You're a joy designer. Like this is a very tech city too in Austin. So I was in fashion, like who's doing that? This was weird. My whole life and my children's life was depending that this business wasn't going to fail like my first business. And already having one failure under my belt, that reality of what that felt like and what it is was really close, right? Like I could, I, I, I can still taste that moment in my, in what that felt like, right? And everything about it. And so I think, you know, for me, it was scary. My relationship with money was fear-based. It was, will I have enough to do the things I need to do to take care of my family and to be able to keep my employees, to pay my rent and to sustain another day. I was in some cases living day by day, not month by month. It was frightening. But knowing in my heart, you'd get these wins, you'd get an order that would just blow you away. You know, Nordstrom giving you an opportunity, right? And then believing in my brand and then seeing those results and then opening more stores with them and then seeing what happened there. There were these little things that would happen that it was like, okay, here's a little more fuel in the tank to keep you going. And knowing that we, I had something, I knew we had something special and I just had to keep like living another day. And that was really it. And I think now, you know, my relationship with money is different in that I now know I can do things with it to help change other people's lives. And I can invest in other women when I wasn't given the chance. Only 17% of venture funding goes to women-owned businesses. Yet women-owned businesses are more successful, just a fact, than, than male. But that's okay. You know what I'm saying? But it's a, tr- it's a fact. It's a fact. We're not going to edit that fact out. Don't worry. <laughs> now money to me is an opportunity to do something impactful and to leave that mark that I had always dreamt of wanting to do since I was a young girl. And that's a really special place to be. I want to think about a really pivotal moment in your business, which was around the Great Recession. What happened and how did it cause you to rethink the type of business you were running? You know, what? so I was running a completely just wholesale business. So just selling to other retailers. After my retail hat store failed, I said, I am never going to get back into retail again. That is scary stuff. That is way, like that is not going to happen. And I thought this was safe. I would just say, write an order. I pack my order up, I ship it, and then they sell it. Life was great. It wasn't great when the recession hit because all of my eggs were in one basket. And buyers that I had worked with for years were getting laid off. Stores, boutiques that I had worked with were shuttering left and right. It was terrifying. And I realized that I was also allowing other people to speak for me. I wasn't communicating with my customer. And I knew in that moment, I needed to have a direct conversation with my customer that I needed her to love our products. I needed to know what she wanted so that I could make the best products I could for her. And in order to do that, I had to go back into retail. And so this pivotal 
scary time when all these businesses are closing, I moved and put my own wholesale showroom in New York. I mean, literally people are moving out of this building in the fashion district and I'm moving in. I'm like one of the only people moving in. And people are like, good luck, sweetheart. You know, like, what are you doing? And stores all in Austin are closing. I decide I'm going to open my first retail store as a laboratory to learn from our customer, to connect with her. And my focus changed to completely consumer. We still had amazing wholesale accounts, but I focused on my customer first. And the recession, again, the scariest time and one of the scariest time in our history ended up being the greatest gift Kendra Scott ever received because it forced us to have to look at our business differently. And I look at this year as the same way. This pandemic was one of the scariest things I think anyone in business, but especially retail. I mean, I have over 108, 120 now stores, retail, brick and mortar stores. It was super scary, but the way we have pivoted and the things that we've done during this year are now making us a stronger company than we would have been before this happened. And so it's crazy to think that it sometimes takes something like that to shake you up right? To like shake up the snow globe because you can just kind of ride along if things are going okay. But sometimes you need something big. And, and that was big. This year was big. This year, 2008, lots of things in between, as you said, like big moments that are stressful. And obviously your business and you have managed very well in it and made really smart choices. But we know it as founders and as CEOs, like we all have our moments of just like, this is so hard. Who do you break down to? That's a great question. I think, you know, this has been a really tough year. I love that this year that we're having real conversations about saying it's okay to not be okay, really raising awareness on our mental health and that no matter, you know, on the outside, people can think, oh, you've got all this going for you. You're a CEO. You've got a billion dollar brand. You've at the end of the day, you're a human being who has a heart and who has feelings, who gets tired, who feels burnt out, who doesn't know if they're balancing everything right. I'm a mom as well. And so for me, I'm, I'm blessed in that I have, you know, my boys and I, we've always been this very tight team. And, you know, I'm, I'm a single mom once again, and I have three sons. And I went through a divorce during uh, this past year in, in the midst of all of this. So having even that, you know, stability of a partner wasn't there. But I do have to say, I've got a group of girlfriends that have been friends of mine for over 20, most of them over 20 years. They were there with me every single day. And, you know, they've loved me when I was broke, broke, and they love me today. And I can go to my girlfriends. And I think having a really strong support group of true friends, whether, and, and it can be family too. For me, I have this just core group of girlfriends that can see you on your best days and root for you, but be there on your worst days. It's important to have that because we're not, we're not super women. We can't just, you know, handle everything every day. And it's, you need those people in your life that you can call and be like, I'm having a day today, or I'm not feeling so strong today. Can we go for a walk? Or I need a shoulder to cry on. And know that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It is the greatest sign of strength. So thinking about all that we've talked about, the work, the risks, they paid off. Kendra Scott was valued at a billion dollars and you have retail stores across the country, a philanthropic arm of the business and a network of thousands of employees. When did you feel like you made it? 
You know, I think there's been, it's a funny question. I've gotten that question asked to me often. I don't know what the definition exactly is of making it. I think for everybody it's different, right? Or how we define success. When I look at some of the impact we've made from a philanthropic standpoint of being able to run a fiscally responsible company and be able to also give over $40 million to women and children's charities, thinking about starting that out of my bedroom and thinking, I hope I can do something good and would just give a necklace for a silent auction that I could make out of my bedroom or a wrap. I was not, you know, that's how small it started. I think when I start to look at that and I start to see the people in and in, in, in it's from small organizations to huge things like breast cancer research grants to try to find a cure for metastatic breast cancer. I mean, things that we're doing right now is when I sit back and I sit at home and I go like, it takes my breath away and I think it makes me go, wow. But it also makes me so motivated to get up every day and want to do more because that's the powerful part. I think that's the powerful part for me. My stepfather died when he was 47 years old of brain cancer. I turned 47 this year and every single day is a gift. And every single day, I feel like I am so lucky to be in a place and and an ability to hopefully do more good. And that for me is making it. I love that answer. It's a good time to go to our lightning round. Quick questions, quick answers. I am dying to ask you this. Do you ever get sick of saying your name? Saying Kendra Scott? Yes. No, I don't. This is lightning round. But do you know that I, everyone asks why I named the company my name. It happened organically because when I started, I made a little business card on a, like I printed them and cut them with a thing. And it just said Kendra Scott jewelry designer. And then so people were like, oh, Kendra Scott. So it just became the name. I don't really have to say it that much. It is weird when I say it in the third person though. Do your friends or family call you something else? So K, my friends call me K. I get a lot of KS. And then Mama K is what my, all of my team at Kendra Scott call me Mama K. I mean, even in emails, it's like, hey, Mama K. Okay, we're going to go back to lightning. Morning person or night owl? Night owl. How do you invest in yourself? You know, I have gotten into doing yoga. I think spending, you have to take care of yourself each day. If you can make 20 minutes, 30 minutes. For me, it's yoga and a bath once a week. A nice soaking bath. I look forward to that so much. What's the last show you binge watch? Oh, I'm binge watching right now Peaky Blinders. I love it. I'm obsessed. And I did have to watch it with subtitles. So I'm watching it with subtitles also. It makes it so much yeah. better. I'm a, I love it. And I, like, I'm at that place where I, the next one comes and I'm like, I know I have to get up early for something and I can't stop. What's the first trip you're going to take when things calm down? So I am going to Italy. Oh my God. I please Italy open. Please. I mean, the wine, the food, the people. You don't have to sell me on Italy, Kendra Scott. This is my big dream. I'm going to retire. I'm going to get just like a bicycle, no phone service, have a little villa somewhere. I don't know where. I'm going to just like paint, work in my yard. Just make sure you send me the address so I know where to find my room. Thank you everyone for joining us for Skim You Commencement. This was such a wonderful night and such a wonderful past events. Uh, A huge, huge thank you to Kendra for taking the time to share her story with us. Good night, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra. 